So while Lisa and I were on sabbatical, we actually were involved in a project in which we were part of helping raise $500 million. And uh, her and I personally contributed to that. It wasn't a significant amount, it was $20. And the project was Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. And um, that's how much that movie has made at the box office so far. And uh, we gave our $20 so that we could go see that. As you know, Lisa and I love to go to movies. We go every week. And um, our standards for movies have lowered considerably because you can't see 52 in a year and expect to see really good stuff. But this was so good. I loved this movie. I mean, it was two hours and 43 minutes of mystery and intrigue and car chases and foot chases and espionage and fights and shootouts and innumerable things blowing up and being destroyed. And there was romance and there was suspense and there was villains and there was heroes and it was all choreographed to a plot that had perfectly timed twists and turns and it made you want more. And this was just part one of this movie, right? Kept us on the edge of our seat the whole time. And when I left that movie, I decided that it was time for me to quit ministry and become an international spy. That's how inspired I was. You maybe shouldn't get that excited when I say I'm gonna quit ministry and do something else. But thank you for participating. Because I'm 53 and Tom Cruise is 61 and that guy does his own stunts and I thought, if that dude can do all that at 61, maybe it's not too late for me to go out and do something that crazy and adventurous and fight villains and save people. But I didn't get started right away. We went and had dinner first. <laughs> and then I went home and did a bunch of other stuff and since then I've seen a couple other movies and I've kind of forgotten about doing that whole thing. But I do love a good movie and I love a good series on Netflix or Hulu or Prime. I like watching and getting engaged, and I like somebody telling a story, whether it's I'm a big reader and I'm in the middle of a really, really good fictional book right now, and I love watching a, a, a good fictional story, and I like watching documentaries, and I like watching historical movies, and I like a good song that tells a good story. A song that tells a good story engages us not with just the lyrics, but well-placed notes that engage our emotions and our spirit. It taps into something in us and makes us want to be a part of that story. A, a series on Hulu or, or Netflix usually takes time to unpack characters and the complexity of their relationships and the dynamics and the struggles and the conflicts. We can't help ourselves, we get wrapped up in it because on some level we identify with what's happening on screen. We love the alternative reality that happens in movies where in just two hours they can cover decades, they can cover complex issues, they can wrap it all up and make us feel something about that. That's why we love all of those things. I love movies and I love series and I love books and I love 
anyone that can tell a good story. But the problem with each one of those things is that none of them are completely honest. A lot of times they're not even close to being honest. And by that I mean that we're really only hearing half of the song. We're really only getting half of the plot play out in front of us. We're really only being told half of the story. Go watch Mission Impossible this week and I want you to take note of how many times, how many scenes where the characters are resting. Right? Because in everything we listen to, in everything we watch, in everything we engage with that stirs us, we're watching and celebrating what they're doing. They're talking about going on a truck ride with their girlfriend and, and the first time they kiss and we, we're listening to the story of them doing or we're watching a series in which something is happening in front of us. The doing is what pulls us in. There's no 10-minute car chase and fist fight and things blowing up and then they cut to a 15-minute scene of Tom Cruise having chamomile tea in the bath just unwinding like, oh my God, that was brutal. I gotta, whoosh, are you kidding me? Honey, please give me five minutes. I just got home and I was fighting international spies. I gotta have some time. Watch any series. If, if it's a half hour episode, 22 minutes is how much they're given for that. The rest is for commercials. And how many minutes do you think any producer, director, or production company is going to give to just watching someone sleep? I mean, you'll see people get up from bed or be startled awake because that helps feed the plot. There's a noise in the house and they're startled from bed, but there's no scene where they're just sleeping for 15 minutes. Because that is really part of the reality that we never get to see. It's not just the notes. It's that there are rests in between the notes that we never hear. So what ultimately happens is we see the world and we measure our successes in life and we listen for the beauty in things and we imagine our adventures we prioritize our goals, all built on the foundation of action, doing, activity, motion, busyness, noisiness, movement, hustling, advancing something, pushing something forward, working or fixing or planning. Those are the things we think of when somebody says that we're really living, is the activity of it. Now, Sabbatical is supposed to be a time when Lisa and I kind of retreat away from busyness and we let our minds and our spirits rest so that I can be more attuned to maybe what God's saying in the future. And this is when I can almost come up with really a majority of what we'll talk about throughout the next year. And I made a mistake this year. There was a lot of things that needed to be done at the house. Um, our fence is 20 something years old and it's been rotted for a long time and it's falling and finally a neighbor behind us convinced several other 
people who back up to his property to all go in and we were gonna replace our fences. And I thought, oh, I mean, if we're gonna replace the fence and it's a good time to pull the bark out and we'll do some new landscaping. And Lisa said, well, I mean, if we're gonna do landscaping, I wanna do the bathrooms. I don't know how, <laughs> how those things are connected at all. But in wifely logic, that made perfect sense. And I said, well, if we're doing the bathrooms, the barge rafters on the front of the house, the ends are rotted, we need to get those replaced because if we're doing things that are unconnected, I'm just going to connect the roof to the bathroom. <laughs> and so I started doing. And the activity felt right, it felt like a priority, it felt like I was doing the responsible thing, saving money and doing things that we could have hired somebody to do. Rest in all of its invaluable, countless forms is rarely celebrated. We don't see rest as a hero. We see it as an unwelcome interruption to the plans that we've had or getting things done. We see it as an annoying distraction to goals. It's the enemy of productivity or hard work or accomplishments. But listen, if we see rest as anything less than the absolute crucial and necessary rest of the story, it means we aren't experiencing or celebrating the best of our story. As much as I love a good movie, a good song, a good series, and a good book, it's time to pay attention to what makes all those things truly great. Grab your notes if you don't already have them out. I just wanna talk about two things today. Two things that might help you imagine if you got to put your story onto a screen. And why it might not be celebrated if you do it the right way. Why nobody may get excited to come sit down and see your vacation story, see your resting story, see your off time story. But to watch my whole life come to life, or my whole story come to life, I'm gonna number one, cast rest as the hero of every scene. If I asked you who would play you in a movie or in a series, it'd be fun to think about that, right? We'd all want somebody attractive, <laughs> younger than we really are, somebody with charm and somebody that people would love to watch because we'd all love to see ourselves as that character. And we'd wanna see ourselves as the hero. But truthfully, if you really want your story to be told well, it's important to give credit where credit is due. Cast rest as the hero of every scene. So if you were to ask any child, would you rather play for an hour or go nap for an hour? Right, most children. There's, 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 there's one every once in a while who loves a good nap, but most children would wanna play. Ask a teenager, right? Ella, would you rather go on your phone or would you rather sit out on the back porch with a chamomile tea and just reflect on your day? 
she'll go, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take screen time rather than weird tea time. <laughs> I don't want to do weird tea time. Now, if I were to say to you, would you rather run errands and do chores for four hours or go to Coyote Pond and just take a, a long walk at sunset and decompress? You'd say, oh, oh, I'd love that. I love a really good walk, beautiful. But you'll choose the chores because that's the responsible thing, because that's the thing that gets things done. We'll all say that we want rest, but practically when it comes time to choose, listen, we'll always choose the doing something over the doing nothing. Because rest is passive and work is proactive. Because rest is weakness and work is strong. Rest is wasteful and activity is productive. It gets things done. So if we look at it like that, we would never really say that we cast rest as a villain, but we will always choose to do the something over the doing nothing because we've been convinced that doing nothing is wasteful. In one Harvard study, they found that using an online grocery shopping service is viewed as just as much of a status symbol in our society as shopping at an expensive grocery store like Whole Foods. You're seen as too busy to actually go shop. Another study found that wearing a hands-free Bluetooth device was viewed as a symbol of productivity, multitasking, and busyness, but wearing headphones traditionally associated with listening to music was seen as a symbol of relaxing and downtime. And then yet in another Harvard study, they found that Americans associated busyness with being of higher status. The busier you are, the higher status you are. Interestingly, in Italy, they found the exact opposite to be true, that they associated higher status with having more time off. So what's the point to sharing all of that? The point is that you and I believe that we can create peace from chaos. We believe that a frenzied, busy, active life will ultimately create peace if we do it right and if we do it hard enough, if we prioritize getting the job done, if we look, work long enough and hard enough, we can eliminate the anxiety that we don't have enough. If we just get better at managing our schedules, then we won't have to say no to all the things that we wanna do. If we can just do our schedule better, we'll get to do more stuff that we can't currently do. And if we can just get through this, series, this season of craziness, then we'll finally get to commit ourselves to the important things that we've been neglecting, our devotions, and I'm gonna finally volunteer, and yeah, I'm gonna go to small groups next time. I just, we're so busy right now. And once these circumstances change, I mean, once this thing gets taken care of, once, once I fix the problem, this, this thing that's got my mind and my heart and my time, once I fix that and this goes away, then I can clear my head and calm my spirit and I'll finally feel ah, the world is okay. 
Can I tell you what all of those mindsets really communicate is that we are casting ourselves as the hero who will save the day, who will conquer the villain, who will meet the challenge, who will slay the giant. We, if we could just work harder, if we could just do more, if we could just fix the problem, if we could just manage our schedule better, we're in control. If we can do more, we can find more peace. I don't think a single one of us says to ourselves, you know what would fix this problem um, of not having enough time? I think that stopping and taking a break from doing all of this stuff would give me more time. The exact opposite is true. We, we, we think that by doing things faster, more efficiently, by moving them around, by adding a little bit more for just a season is gonna get things done. You know what I should do to solve this crisis? Nothing. I'm going to stop and do nothing. That will fix this. No, we believe the hero of the story is the one who goes into action and does more to fix the problem. Lisa and I, for some weird reason, always find ourselves in moments where something needs to be done. I think I've shared with you before that we were eating in the restaurant we go to every Monday and a, a large man who didn't look healthy walked in and he was really tall and really large and he was breathing heavily and sweat was running down his face and his family walked several feet ahead of him and weren't really waiting for him and I saw his face go flush and he stiffened up and I knew something was gonna happen. I stood up immediately and he just stiffened up and fell and he crashed into this table that had big plants on it and shattered it everywhere and, and all probably 400 pounds of him fell to the floor. And I could tell he was having some sort of heart episode and I just went into action I started taking his pulse and I started talking to him and I straightened him out and I started doing things. And I looked up at the stunned restaurant who was standing there staring and I said, somebody needs to call 911 as they all just stood there doing nothing at all. Maybe not the time to rest in that particular moment. Another time I was meeting with someone in the church and a lady walked up and gave the choking symbol and I said, are you choking? She shook her head and I said, do you want me to give you the Heimlich maneuver? I wanted to cover all my legal bases. And she said, yes. And she was a little lady. I mean, like this big. And I was lifting her off the ground. And it felt like I, well, nothing was happening. And I spun her around and it was still in her throat and I did it again and it, <laughs> finally a chunk of turkey and bread came out. It feels like every moment in our life requires some sort of response like that. Somebody says something, we feel like we need to respond to that. We see something online and we need to respond to that. There's a moment in our marriage and we need to either fix it or make sure our spouse knows that they were wrong. We always believe that action is the answer. David was literally being chased by his enemies on the run for his life. And this is what he says in a prayer to God, Psalm 4.8. He says, tonight I'll sleep securely. 
on a bed of peace because I trust you and you alone, O eternal one, will keep me safe. David saw rest as the symbol of his trust in God, that by not doing something, he was going to see his life go where it needed to go and be where it needed to be and for his safety to not be something that he could control by doing more and hiding more and fighting more and planning more and doing more to strategize how he could get out of this mess. But he just said, I'm gonna go to bed and listen, while I sleep, you'll do more while I sleep than I can do in all of my waking hours doing. And then Psalm 37, seven says this, just be still and wait patiently for the Lord to act. So this week, I wanna challenge you, when you feel, and you'll feel it without even recognizing it, it's so instinctual for you to do this, that you should act, you should say something, you should do something, take a beat, and just say, I'm going to do nothing in this moment. I wanna be practical for just a second. Do you think acting instantaneously is gonna do any more for you than pausing and really being prayerful about what you should do, if anything at all? Ask yourself if resting in this moment if casting rest as the hero instead of activity and noise and action and busyness as the hero would be preferable. If just waiting on God instead of trusting in yourself. Instead of adding action to already a chaotic moment, a chaotic season, a chaotic life would maybe be the better thing. Pause, sit still, and wait. Because I want you to hear this, you'll never see rest as a hero of your story, of the scenes of your life, the individual scenes, I mean just the instant. If you watch a show, watch how many times the camera changes. Those are different scenes, those are different shots. Watch how many times it's just giving you different perspectives. If you never start casting rest in those little moments, you'll never cast rest as the hero of your life, you've gotta start putting it into practice in the small moments first. Secondly, and finally is this, to watch my whole story come to life, I'm gonna have to write my soundtrack with all the rest it needs. This is morbid and it's weird, but I think a lot about songs I want played at my funeral. And they're not like, I go to a lot of funerals, I do a lot of funerals and um, this sounds, it sounds weird. I, I always get a little bit happy when someone picks a weird song to play at their funeral. Because I think, good for you. Th this is like, this represents who you are. This is like a little piece of you. And there have been some songs that some people would probably consider distasteful to play at a funeral, but I'm like, that's, it's a little bit of them coming, I like that. And I mean, there's a lot of songs, like Final Countdown by Europe. 
right? I just thought, it'd be kind of funny. I did it my way, Frank Sinatra. I'm like, I, I just, I don't want to slide. I just want 45 minutes of music of just songs, you know, throw some Beastie Boys in there. Just anything really that... But I've also heard people talk about what would you want your soundtrack to be? Because a good movie, the best scenes have a really good score accompanying it. Lisa and I went the other night to uh, Vivaldi by Candlelight downtown. And it was uh, his Four Seasons. And uh, I, I just... It was astonishing to hear how many movies and commercials and things that that music had appeared in. Um, To have something that so many people choose to be the soundtrack is pretty impressive. And uh, if you got to choose your soundtrack, you got to even compose your soundtrack, what might that sound like? And most of us in the room probably aren't music writers or composers, so I'll share a little bit of information with you. There are nine total notes, Um, not keys, nine total notes. And it starts with a double whole note and then goes to a whole note, then a half note and a quarter note. It keeps going down until it gets to 128th note. Those are the nine different notes that exist, right? And those are the things that we hear. Those are the, those are the, those are the um, tones and sounds that we believe are evoking that reaction from us. But the reality is that's only half of it because there are nine equal and necessary rests, starting with a double rest, whole rest, half rest, all the way down to 128th rest. For every note, there must be a complementary rest. And the rest, perfectly timed and placed, are what allows the notes to be what they are. If you didn't have the rest in music, it would be this frenzied clutter of noise that would be indistinguishable. You would hate every song because it would feel like pure chaos to your ears. When God orchestrated the song of creation, we all know about the big finale piece. And on the seventh day, he rested. That's the big rest. One thing that I don't think I've ever really fully appreciated is that God rested throughout all of creation. Throughout the entire process, He placed notes of rest in the symphony of creation, whether it was six literal days or six billion years, it doesn't matter to me. I I, I even like the idea of this long piece, like in in four seasons, there's three measures in in each one of the seasons and, and each one of them is just beautiful and stands on its own and has its own story and it just goes on and it really is incredible to to hear the work and the craftsmanship that goes into it and as I think about the creation story I look at Genesis 1:10, which says this God named the dry ground land and he named the water ocean and God looked 
at what he had done and he saw that it was good. Can I tell you that that is rest? It's pausing. It's stopping what you're doing to see what's been done. Genesis 1.12 says this, the earth produced all kinds of vegetation. God stopped and he looked at what he had done and it was good. Genesis 1, 17 through 18 says this, God put these lights into the sky to shine on the earth to rule the day and the night and to separate the light from darkness. God stopped, he paused, he looked at what he had done and it was good. And then 1, 24 and 25 says this, God, I command the earth, God said, I command the earth to give all kinds of tame animals, wild animals, reptiles, and that's what happened. God made every one of them and then he looked at what he had done and it was good. And do you know what we almost never say about the goodness of God's creation was that he could have never called things good without stopping and resting to appreciate the goodness of his creation. And here's my question for you in writing the song of your day and writing the song of this moment and writing the soundtrack of your life. Do you realize how important the rest are? I know we all wanna to get to the end of our life and be celebrated and have people appreciate what we did and, 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 and men, I know that we pride ourselves on, on what we build. And I don't mean just physically with our hands, but what we've done. We love to start with something from nothing and we create something and we stand back and we look at that. We, Start with a car who needs an oil change and at the end of this messy process, there's a car that had an oil change. We want to know that we've accomplished something. Moms, I know you wanna look at your children and use them as, as, as the trophies of the goodness of your love for them. And maybe we'll, we'll have a moment to see that at the end. Maybe we'll know when the end is coming and we'll have a moment to pause. We'll have the seventh day rest, but here's my question to you is, are you pausing in the moment of what you're creating? Are there notes of rest in between the notes of no noise and sound? Is there a moment for you to just say, this is good. And I mean really pause to do that because with God there is no time and so his pause to look, his stop to reflect could have lasted for thousands of years. As he looked across the vastness of his creation and said, this is what I wanted. And you have been given the power of creation. The Bible says in your mouth, in your tongue is the power of life and death. You have the ability to bring things to life, to speak things into life. The question is, is it just frenzied notes? Is your behavior, is your words, are your thoughts just one frantic thing after the other? Or are there moments in which you're celebrating the rest in between that separate those notes, that give beauty to each one of those things. You know, some of the artists we celebrate, they would go years in between the pieces of, of art that we see 
in a museum and we celebrate like they were churning them out on a copy machine. Michelangelo's David is giant and hand chiseled from granite it took years to do. Do you think Michelangelo slid it over in the corner, rolled up his sleeves and just started again? Or do you think every single day at the end of his day he would stop and reflect and maybe for days at a time just sit and stare and reimagine what his purpose and his calling was in doing this? This whole series is about undoing the damage of a hurried, frenzied life of the busyness that we create because we believe that it's what creates our peace. It has to start though with us taking rest out of the plot line as the villain and giving it its right place as the hero. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just to give you a moment of rest? Wouldn't it be fun if we had nap time in church? I would imagine your morning to get here, to be here, wasn't probably easy. It entailed a lot of doing and busyness and activity and hurriedness. I was so distracted this morning just thinking about being here that I grabbed the iron and the ironing board and I walked into our closet with it. And that's not where it goes. It's never gone there. I don't know why I would have done that, but my mind was in so many other places than in the present, in the moment. We can come here and be somewhere completely different than this space, this moment right now. And I don't know if I've been successful at always giving us the space and the time to just take in a deep breath and let it out slowly and connect with what we're doing right here and right now. Because what good is the last 30 minutes of talking if we don't get to pause and just decide, is this good? Is this good for me? I want to look at what we've done here and say it's good. But me calling it that and you calling it that are two totally different things. That it's only good for you if it moves you and changes you and causes you to stop and reflect. Holy Spirit, Jesus called you the comforter, the counselor. I know for me, even when it's hot, I like to make the room as cold as possible so I can sleep with that heavy down comforter. The weight of that big comforter makes me feel comforted. And I pray that your presence in our lives is like a blanket that rests on us so that our movement is not so frantic and hurried that the weight of it makes us want to pause and rest longer. 
makes us want to trust more, makes us want to reflect for just a few minutes more. It makes us want to look to you as our provider, as our protector, as our healer, as our fixer. Instead of casting ourselves as the the frantic, hurried doer of all things to make our life go well. Let us fall in love with rest so that we can see where it fits in our life and in between the notes of our movement and our hurriedness and our doing and our action. So that when we do create, we create what's good and we can appreciate what's good. And that's my prayer for us today. In Jesus' name, amen.